My name is Alad Gross, candidate for Missouri Attorney General, and welcome to the Alad Pod. This week we have two very special guests. First is Betsy Fogel. She's a candidate for Missouri State House of Representatives in the 135th over in Springfield. We speak with her about public health and her background, how her campaign has changed, and ways that we can all better serve our state. We also speak with Glenn Coggy Jr. He is the president of the UAW Local 2250 over in Wentzville. Glenn and I talk about labor policy and how this crisis will have an impact on our overall economy. It's time. So welcome again to our third episode of the Alad Pod. We've got wonderful special guests, and we've got one sitting here right now who's already given a wonderful intro, so I know you're going to love her. Uh, Betsy Fogel, who's running for the 135th, 135th House District in Springfield. Um, and uh, we've uh, done some events together. We've done a town hall together not too long ago before this virus hit, and so I'm very excited to bring her uh, here today. We will also be speaking with uh, Glenn Coggy, who is the president at the UAW Local 2250 over in Wentzville, um, and Michelle Whitley, who works with them, might be here as well. Um, so uh, hopefully you all can hear this now. Uh, we are live. We are good to go. And uh, I said a lot of nice things on the other stream. I know you could hear my voice and you couldn't hear hers. Um, so I'm going to say you're wonderful and I'm going to leave it at that. And uh, I'm going to let Betsy uh, introduce yourself. And for all those folks out there, please still go ahead and comment with any questions that you have. Uh, let me know you're here. Obviously, you've all been a big help. And this campaign has always been about community and the work that we can do together to fix our state. And we just show that we can do that with this live stream event. So <laughs> thank you so much. Betsy, take it away. Go ahead and actually introduce yourself to folks this time. Yeah, so before I launch into it for the second time, I just want to make sure and confirm everyone can hear me, correct? Yes, we are. I'm checking that right now, so my other right, make screen. Sure I'm not getting any. I can't hear her comments. Yeah, I think I think we are looking good. Okay. Yeah, we're looking okay. Okay. Well, uh, like Elon said, very warmly and kindly, I'm Betsy Fogel, running for state rep of District 135. Uh, that is Central East Springfield, and for those of you who are watching from Springfield, uh, you know what that means. For those of you that are watching from other parts of the state, just know that it's from uh, the best city in the in the best state. And I'm coming from me from my living room, something I never thought would happen. Uh, so you can see my uh, either great or terrible interior decorating skills, depending on your style. Um, but I'm really glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, this is great. Good. I'm, I'm so happy you're here. And I've, I've gotten to go to Springfield quite a few times um, over this campaign uh, before, uh, you know, social distancing uh, was in effect. Um, and anybody out there, don't just don't. Don't go out and hang out with folks right now. Stay at home. Stay safe. Everything else. Um, so... Betsy, I know, um, you know, it's it's a pretty a strange time now, especially for our two campaigns, um, because we were very focused on meeting as many Missourians as we possibly could. And, uh, you know, I know that's certainly changed, obviously, like, look, look what we're doing right now. Look at this. Look what we're doing right now. Um, what, what, uh, like one I love touching my face, as you could, you know, probably tell. I just <laughs> did right there. Um, so what... Um, what things have you seen change, uh, especially in Springfield, like, like things that you've seen around? I know that, you know, we've had this uh, stay-at-home order issue throughout the state and local municipalities were doing it. So what, what kind of issues have you been seeing um, and what's, what's been the response in Springfield so far? Yeah, I just want to applaud everybody in the Springfield-Green County area. I mean, we have an excellent leadership team um, who has fearlessly guided us through this pandemic and the people of Springfield have responded in such a courageous and compassionate way. Um, if, if you read uh, the news leader, you'll know that our traffic rates are down and we are doing a very good job of following the directive of sheltering in place and staying at home. Um, and with that, we've had a lot of great community partners step up and fill the needs that still exist. We still need access to uh, healthcare. We still need access to mm -hmm. mental health care, especially in a time where we're all feeling kind of lonely. 
Um, we've had uh, Boys and Girls Club step up and feed our kiddos, and yeah. um, our teachers have done a great job of transitioning to online platforms. Um, we're all adjusting, but it's been inspiring to see the community collaboration um, that's kind of in, been forced to happen, um, but then people even taking that and going above and beyond and leading in ways that, um, you know, we can only aspire to to reach at some point in our lives. Yeah, yeah, I... Um... You know, actually, uh, so so earlier on when you mentioned the Boys and Girls Club, um, not too long ago when all of this stuff was, you know, starting up and, you know, when, so so I come from an education background. I've been teaching kids for a long time in, in St. Louis, but I've worked with kids all over the state. And one of the big things that we've always done in the summer when we run our summer program, it's free for kids, is uh, we provide food and meals for kids. And uh, schools all throughout our state have been such an important source of nutrition and meals for children, um, especially those who are most vulnerable. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I heard of the work that the Boys and Girls Club was doing um, and uh, the Discovery Center. I think that's what it's called, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, the Discovery Center has stepped up and helped provide uh, child care to first responders we are so lucky to have um, that, that leadership team and that resource here. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, where would those kiddos go? Yeah. And, and what would those parents do that are you know, risking their lives every day to make sure that we're safe? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually on our website right now, um, so if you go to alodgross.org uh, slash COVID, C-O-V-I-D, um, you'll see a link to uh, eight different organizations around the state that are doing wonderful work. Both of those organizations are on there, um, and you can Great. donate to them. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot more than just those eight. Those are eight that we selected as a campaign. Um, you know, we don't take uh, dark money on this campaign, so we always donate it to different groups each quarter whenever we get some anonymous money. So we figured, well, hey, you know, this is something that's a big need, and, and uh, those are recommended. So, um, yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, something else. Um, you know, we talk about folks who are getting child care. Um, one of the uh, big pushes right now that, um, you know, folks like, like us are, are really going after is to, to make sure that our government is also getting benefits to frontline workers that oftentimes have been neglected for so long. Our grocery clerks, pharmacists, uh, Glenn and I were talking about, uh, you know, the, the custodial staff at hospitals right now, but there are so many different groups that are, are stepping up right now and we need them and, and they are going to work and they are doing these, these essential responsibilities. Um, we really need our government to designate these folks as actual first responders and emergency personnel so they can get those child care benefits among other things. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think, um, I mean, you hit it on the head already, but when we, none of us anticipated this happening mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm sure some very smart people anticipated this happening at some point, sure. um, but none of us, myself included, ever saw us having to deal or face um, something to this magnitude. And I think one of the things that it has done is show us what roles are essential, what roles are necessary for our society to operate. And it's not necessarily the ones that we have historically uh, deemed as, right. um, you know, important or esteemed. And though all, all jobs and occupations are important, all jobs and occupations lead to a healthy society and a functioning society, when push comes to shove, the people that are on the front lines, whether that's a nurse taking care of you in the hospital or a 17-year-old, you know, working in a grocery store, um, they're all here and they're all necessary. And it's our job to make sure that they're safe and that they have the benefits that they need to be able to continue to serve our state. Yeah. And right now, like you said, we're lacking that. Yeah. Yeah. What um, ha has this has this changed? I mean, I know, you know, we've been talking about these issues for a while, but has this changed even even uh, maybe emphasize something that you were talking about in the campaign that has become such an issue that's like, wow, like how, you know, obviously this took years and years for us to get to this very vulnerable point in Missouri. Right. But is there something that really stands out to you that just says, goodness, if we had done this earlier, or if, if, yes. oh, we never considered this issue and now here we are. Is there anything like that that you've seen? Yeah. So for those of you on the call who don't know, my background is in public health and I've had the pleasure and the ability to serve in that um, sphere for the last five years. Yeah. And I, one of the main reasons I wanted to run a campaign in the first place was to make sure that we no longer had people trying to access care that couldn't. 
and you know specifically healthcare. And I think that that has been amplified times a million now that we are facing what is arguably going to be the worst uh, healthcare pandemic that we ever have to face as a society, or at least in our lifetimes. But like you said, those problems are already problems that people were facing before this hit. It's mm-hmm. just now magnified because so many Americans are going to be impacted. We've had, um, you know, 100,000 people apply for unemployment in the state, and often most of those jobs came with health care. Um, but what do you do now that you don't have employer-based health care? And right. unless we expand Medicaid to cover those special populations or those vulnerable groups um, that historically haven't been entitled to that benefit, we're going to continue to see the same um, problem happen, whether it's COVID-19 or, you know, COVID-19 is here and it's it's going to get better, but it's not going to completely go away. Um, but that doesn't change that the fact that we still need everyone needs access to healthcare. And if you if you're not healthy and if you don't have that access to medical, dental, behavioral health services, then you're not ever going to be able to contribute to society in the way that you would otherwise. Mm-hmm. So though that was a foundational component of my campaign, I think now the way that we're all interacting and talking about healthcare is changing. And when uh, Medicaid expansion hits the ballot in November, I hope that's something that every person in the state remembers when they go to vote. Yep. Yeah, Medicaid expansion, they did collect the signatures for that. So, um, yeah, it's going through the process right now. But, um, you know, Betsy, I I, I 100% agree. Um, Very much support that. That would provide over 200,000 vulnerable Missourians, and maybe now probably even more, um, with access to affordable care. And it's essential that we do that. Um, you know, folks are looking at the studies and you're going to hear you're going to hear all this bad mouthing about how this stuff costs all this money and how it's too expensive. Uh, all these things and it's whatever. Uh, here's the thing. We are already paying for it. We're already giving money to the federal government uh, and we're not getting anything in return because we are one of the few states that has refused to expand Medicaid. And not only that, but our state is actively, through the Attorney General's office, but I'm sure supported by lots of members of the legislature right now, is actively fighting in court to eliminate not only our opportunity to expand Medicaid, but to eliminate expansion all over the country, which will eliminate health care for millions of Americans. Um, And I you know, people have been asked right now during this pandemic, are you going to continue with this lawsuit? And they're all, yeah. Uh, so please, you know, we've got we've got some folks who their priorities are not in the right way. And uh, I'm you know, I feel good that when this goes to the people to ask them, would you like folks who are vulnerable? Or if you think of yourself in a situation like this where you might lose your job and you're going to need health care, would you like the opportunity to have that? I have a feeling most Missourians are going to say yes to that. So um, very happy that's on the ballot. Very sad that we couldn't get that done through our government. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's good. I got to rant a little bit in the middle of this thing. <laughs> Me too already. Anyway, we talk about health care. I mean, this stuff is just so important, right? And I mean, it it's impacts all of us. And we are seeing that on such a scale now that I think a lot of people didn't appreciate, you know? I mean, if you think of it from just like a public health perspective and how interconnected we really all are, um, right. you know, that's why these, these stay-at-home orders and everything else are, are important. What, what, what's your thought about it? I mean, that was, that was kind of the big news. You know, we've all been making a push on the governor to, to put that in, and there's some question about how effective that order that he actually released is, and so there's some questions about that. We're looking forward to his conference today. Um, but yeah, what, what's your, what's your thought on, I guess, you know, disease mitigation techniques in general? What, what, you know, what would you tell folks? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, the most important thing is to acknowledge that anyone faced with, um, tackling issues that we're tackling right now is in a very difficult place. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine, um, the weight that the governor carries and that everybody else carries. Uh, That being said, um, I'll tie it back to kind of local government. Our uh, Springfield Green County Health Department has been um, setting the tone and setting an example for the rest of the state. Our um, hospital team, our CEOs are are being very vocal about the importance of some of these initiatives that we're talking about. Um, Though our governor did issue a statewide uh, stay-at-home last night, and we were all um, excited to see that that doesn't mean that it's enough. And that doesn't mean that the decisions that we're making are, are keeping all of us in the state healthy. 
Um, it took us too long and the stay at home didn't go far enough. And I know that there is an economic, economic impact. I know that yeah. it's not an easy decision or a light decision to be made. Um, but at the end of the day, we need people who are fighting for all of our safety and our well-being. Um, and the one thing that you can't dispute is science. Uh, yeah. People try to, but you can't. If you look right. at the projections for our state and what's happened in other states and other countries, um, we're not going to we're not going to wish this away. This is coming, and we're weeks late on having mm -hmm. a uh, effective measure of which to fight against it. Right. Right. And I mean, one of the problems there is we don't have enough available testing. You know, we don't we don't know the scope. The numbers that get reported every day are the minimum, like the bare minimum. We know that more people have it. Heck, I've got I've got a, a buddy of mine who uh, has all the symptoms um, and is still waiting for the results of his test, you know, and it takes a while to get, especially if it goes through some of these testing facilities versus others, but some of these can take a while to come back. So, I mean, everything we're seeing is, is delayed. Um, and so an action that we take now is actually on like these numbers in the future, right? It's right. yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that, that that's why there needs to be an urgency around it. Even when the numbers appear to be small, if like you've got one or two in your county that's reported, that means you got more than one or two in your county. Um, and so we've, we've really got to take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. We've several, um, several weeks ago or several days ago, we, you know, reached the point of community transmission. And like mm -hmm. you said, um, if, if it takes two to 14 days for symptoms to occur, we know that we're at best right. two to 14 days behind what the numbers show. Um, and, you know, as individual citizens, regardless of what happens at the state level or the local level, it is our responsibility to make sure we're following that stay at home order. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this would just be my caution as someone who uh, does work in public health and does see the, the ramifications of this every day. Um, it's important that we stay at home. I know that it's tough. I know that it's lonely. Um, you know, I live alone and uh, that can make for some long nights, but if you stop and think about it, the most important thing um, is the safety of one another. And that's all of our responsibilities. That does not end mm -hmm. with one, uh, you know, one governor of the state that starts and ends with each one right. of us um, living in our homes. Right. Right. And, you know, we had uh, uh, Kathy Ellis. Um, we did a live event with her. She's running for Congress in the 8th District. And she does, um, you know, she's a social worker, does a lot of work with folks on mental health. And we talked a lot about this, about, you know, the feeling of isolation and, you know, what can you do? And so I would really recommend if you're going, you know, it's not a good place to be for you. You're not feeling too great. I'd really recommend uh, you watch that, uh, uh, you know, little event we did with her because, I mean, she had some great recommendations in there about having a routine and really, you know, now with technology, like look what we're doing, right? There, there are so many ways for us to connect in different ways. I mean, I've spoken with folks I haven't spoken with in years through, you know, Zoom, everything, you know, everybody's loving doing this. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's any help that you need, uh, you know, we're here uh, and we, we've been talking about this. We, we are, we really have campaigns that are oriented to service and to serve the people of our state. And that, I mean, that's why I think it should be anyway. That's kind of the idea, but you know, if there's ever anything that you need, feel free to reach out. And, uh, what's great about, having wonderful folks running for local office is that you have people who are in your neighborhood, people who know where you are and what's going on that you can talk to. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're here for you. So if there's anything that you need, let us know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, important. I'll just add to that. Um, I want to echo your sentiment right now are, you know, when I, when I decided to run for office, I wanted to run a, campaign that was very grassroots and me and my team yep. who I know are watching. Hey guys, um, <laughs> they we are. have knocked <laughs> thousands and thousands of doors. We started very early. We wanted to win this election because we were getting to know yeah. the issues and the people that lived in our community. Um, we've had to pivot that approach and we have not been able to fundraise. We have not mm -hmm. been able to meet you at your door. We have not been able to follow the plan um, that we had set forth for ourselves, but that being said, it, it's still challenging us. It's making us stronger and it's making us better. And similarly to, I know um, the mentality that you've taken, you're not hearing us call you and ask you for money because right. we know that right now this is tough for everybody. And that is 
you know, though it's such an important priority to get um, good candidates selected in November, mm. there are other priorities and we recognize that. So our, our team has decided to take an approach of what can we do for you, not what can you do for us. Yes. And I think that that mentality is a mentality that we already had. Um, it's just being amplified yep. and, and changing a little bit in light of COVID-19. And that same perspective is a perspective I would want to carry into office if elected. Um, job uh, to represent the people that we serve and right now the needs are to be a resource like you said Um, so if anyone's listening to this and is struggling with anything I hope you know that we are a safe space and we would love for you to reach out and connect you with whatever it is that your family's needing yeah yeah we'll put we'll put Betsy the link to your website and everything in the uh, the comments so you all will be able to reach out to her she's wonderful Um, I'm uh, I I I just want to want to say, I, you know, I really respect the decision that you've made to do that because, um, you know, I, I was growing more and more, fr- and my team will tell you, and uh, uh, I was growing more and more frustrated as my inbox was filling up with people who were asking for money, and that was from folks of different parties. I don't know why some of them are asking. I'm running as a Democrat, so it's not like, you know, I'm going to give, but whatever, you know, it's fine. Let's ask, you know, I, I always look at the person and everything, but it was just filling up, and, and you know, we, um, yeah, we took a, a very public stand on that as well, the exact same one where, um, you know, this isn't a time to do that. And so many of the folks, you know, everybody who's commenting and so many other people, you know, we, we... We're, we're all in this together right now, and I think that what we're really lacking in our state that we're seeing very much, uh, unfortunately, right now is that we lack leadership. And I think that we really need folks who are willing to do this differently, who are willing to do this the right way, because that's somebody that I can trust. You are somebody who I can trust, Betsy, and, and seeing you elected now I know, like, I'm actually represented. Like, that is somebody who's there who's going to do the things the right way, and we really need to be able to trust the folks who are representing us in government, especially during a time like this. So thank you for thank doing you. that. Thank you for doing yeah, that. Yeah, I want to I add to that um, something else to keep in mind in, over the coming months and in November when we're all showing up to vote. Yeah. Um, I know, I'm sure a lot of people don't have the... Uh, ability to stream uh, the House floor debates or the House floor right. conversation, but that's something I've been uh, doing for the last several years, which, you know, maybe is why I got involved in this in the first place. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you look at who's fighting for us and who is standing there for hours on end, who is, you know, staying up until one, two in the morning and uh, researching what this COVID-19 epidemic was going to do to us all and who was fighting for a vote to be able to fund the needs that we knew we were going to have, there was one party that was very vocal, um, and I am so appreciative to the leadership of that party. And though they were unsuccessful in getting um, some of the things passed that we were hoping would pass, uh, they never stopped fighting. And when I think about government and what government should look like, it should be the person that's standing there for hours on end waiting to make a change and unable to do it. We should be able to do it. That's the whole point of right. democracy, the whole point of government. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've got there. Are, there are some good folks who are fighting right now. They mm-hmm. sure are. Um, it's just unfortunate that this has to be a fight, but that's where we are right now in Missouri and in the United States of America. So um, we've got a couple questions that have come in. So I want to make yeah. sure we get to them. Yeah, Angie. Angie wants to know. Um, would Medicaid expansion help keep rural hospitals open? Yeah, that's a great question, Angie. Um, you know, we unfortunately as a state have lost or seen the closing of several rural hospitals mm-hmm. and, um, and in part because of a lack of Medicaid expansion and a lack of utilization, a lack of reimbursement in those areas. Right. Um, we know that uh, two-thirds of the, the patients that are coming into Cox Hospital are coming from places outside of Greene County. And why is that? in part because Mm -hmm. there are no access to hospital systems in some of those areas. We know that care, um, healthcare is only as good as it is accessible. And if you don't have an accessible avenue of obtaining it, then you're not going to be getting it. Um, So looking at things like Medicaid expansion would impact the ability of keeping some of those rural hospitals open. Um, That's not the only solution, but it is uh, part of the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's happening in a lot of rural areas um, is that if you, so if you get hurt, right. And you need emergency treatment and you go to the hospital, you are going to get treated, right. You're going to get served. 
Um, now, you might not get served the whole way because you don't have insurance, so you can't cover everything that you need. But if there's like an emergency treatment, they need to save your life, they're going to save your life. And now the hospital is going to look for your insurance company or to see if you have money and you're self-insured, so you're going to pay for the services, right? Well, most people who are uninsured, they don't have the money, so they don't, right? And they can't pay. So now what happens is the hospital, in order to get reimbursed for all that, has to get its money from somewhere. And since there is no insurance company for them to go to, they're going to go for you. So they're going to take you to court. And now we've got court systems that are filled up with debt collection, all this other stuff. People are making agreements and saying, yeah, I'll pay $20 a month despite knowing that they can't. Um, and it's it's so it has such an effect on all of these different systems from our justice system into our healthcare system into you know all this debt and everything else and uh, eventually when the hospital doesn't get the money it's got to get it, it's not making enough money so it sells itself usually to some kind of a venture capital firm somewhere in New York that then extracts everything it can out of it sells all of these things puts all this money it takes as much as it can out and then uh, eventually the hospital closes and uh, we are left without hospitals in many parts of our state. So yeah, they have to come from different counties. There are folks who can't even live in their communities they've always wanted to live in uh, because they don't have access to healthcare, to necessary healthcare. So um, yeah, Medicaid expansion. You know, I was I was in Nevada, Nevada, Missouri, um, oh, months and months ago, and there was a doctor who was there asking for folks to uh, increase a local tax, like to actually institute a local tax just for the hospital to keep it going. And uh, one of the questions someone asked was, well, would uh, Medicaid expansion have helped the hospital? And his answer was yes, and he's a Republican. You know, this isn't, this isn't like a partisan thing. It's just like this is dollars and cents, and there's a lot of money that we could be uh, getting right now as a state that we're saying no to for really no reason other than politics, and that's a bad reason to do anything. So, um, yeah, so yes, Angie. We can keep those darn things open. Yeah, great question. Yeah. And, you know, and another thing is, like, the governor right now, if you're asking him to do stuff, we can also, like, change. We can do that right now. Like, we can we can change eligibility for Medicaid. We are doing that. He's put some things in. He can do a whole lot more. And uh, especially getting emergency support to our rural hospitals is essential right now. We should be doing that. So, great question. Um, Jimmy, I know Jimmy mentioned that. Uh, Jimmy, yeah. He said it took almost 14 days for my daughter to get her test. Yeah, the result, not even just the test, but the result from it. Yeah, it, it takes, these things are taking a long time. Um, I mean, it's... Yeah. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like, I mean, obviously, if we had more testing, we, we'd have had a much better idea of what in the world we're facing right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, yeah, and Jimmy, I just, if you're listening still, I just want to say how sorry I am and how terrifying that must be for you and your family. Yeah, um, I know there are uh, steps being taken and steps being made in order to get testing uh, more easily accessible, but that doesn't help the situation that you and your family are in and you are in our thoughts um, as you guys navigate what yeah. this looks like for you and your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are, so, I mean, obviously like this is a very big issue right now. It's happening in our States. The, it's, I mean, in our whole country, um, it's taken over quite a bit. What other issues, um, do you think that folks should be looking out for in general stuff that you're highlighting as a campaign, um, stuff that you've seen, um, you know, even, even now since, since the virus has come. Yeah. What's again, Elad, you and I spoke a little bit about this before the call started, but what's interesting about a lot of the issues that we're seeing highlighted in response to COVID-19, those are already issues that we were talking about. Right. Um, things like Medicaid expansion and access to affordable and quality health services. That's something that we've already been talking about. Um, unemployment and making sure that families are able to utilize that benefit when they need it, knowing that it's not something that people are going to take advantage of and that it's not something only used for people who don't want to work. Mm -hmm. um, all of us, every single person on this call knows somebody who got let go because of COVID-19. The needs yeah. change for businesses. The only COVID-19 is not the only example of that. So we need that structural safety net um, for all of us and right. that rises and lifts up our whole entire state. So though we're talking about it right now through the lens of COVID-19, that issue was already there. Um, 
Same thing with childcare subsidies mm-hmm. and making sure that families can access those and stay productive and stay engaged and stay working um, is obviously a benefit to the economy at large. Um, but if it makes more financial sense for a family to not work because they will lose their eligibility for programs such as Medicaid or um, uh, child care subsidies, that's counter to right. the mission that we want to serve or that we want to live, which is getting people um, ready and able and willing to work. So I know that right now it's so hard to not focus on COVID-19. It's so hard to not get caught up in the fear mm-hmm. and and the impact that it's having on all of us. Um, but I would encourage everybody to also take this oper- as an opportunity to say, what are those structural changes that we already needed? Yeah. This may be the time to implement them to make sure that we never again find ourselves in a situation where we're scrambling to make sure that our children are fed yep. and our families can work and our doctors have protections. Yep. 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 I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is certainly a, a moment to do that. And I know a lot of folks are, um, you know, certainly looking into a lot and they've been talking about these issues for a while, but, uh, yeah, we're certainly seeing, uh, all of those vulnerabilities being highlighted right now. So elections matter and that's why we need to elect good people and get, get our policies out there. One other issue that has been coming up on here, and it's one that I know we've been talking about, um, a lot is, um, voting, voting by mail. Um, other states have it. Uh, we've got an absentee system. Unfortunately, we haven't had strong statewide uh, support to say that we're going to, you know, enhance and expand absentee ballots. Um, we've actually put out a plan for how they could do that um, and have been calling on them to do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think making sure that people can vote is a very important issue right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, this is coming from somebody who loves um, I love to go in and vote. I love to go in yeah. and wait in line. I love the process of it. Um, but I also know that what's the most important is making sure that we can get the most Missourians voting every election. And we know yeah. that that means that we need to transition to a um, voting by mail um, platform, yep. especially uh, in light of what we're seeing right now. Um, we need safe options and we need options for those who are unable to get to the polls you know, if you can um, call in and have a psychiatry visit over the phone, or if you can call in right. and um, meet with your clients over the phone, then you should be able to do the most important thing, um, the most important responsibility that we as Americans have by vote or by mail as well. Right, right. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, um, thanks for being on. Betsy, this is Thanks great. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, this was this was really great. Uh, anytime, we should do this all the time. I think you're you're wonderful, and folks are are leaving wonderful things for you. Um, so we will put your website um, in the in the comments. Um, is there any other uh, great avenue for folks like you want them to know about getting involved with you and with your campaign? What's what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, so um, like I said, right now our campaign is really focusing on being an asset and a resource to the people in our district, mm-hmm. but that takes uh, person power and that takes people willing to make those calls. And if you have never done it, or if you are somebody who is uncomfortable calling and asking what resources they may need, um, we can teach you all of that. And I don't expect you to be an expert on you know, connecting somebody uh, with childcare assistance or sitting down and doing a Medicaid application for the, for the family. I was a social worker for the first few years of my professional career and Mm -hmm. I have that skill set, so I don't expect you to have it. Um, but please reach out to us. We have all the major social media platforms, um, have an email and a website and we would love to get you involved. Um, you know, right now is a time, like we said, that can feel a little bit, uh, isolating can feel a little bit down and, and we're all doing our best to make the best of it. Uh, and getting involved and, and staying involved is a good way of combating some of that um, loneliness or isolation that we may be feeling. Right, right. Well, great. Well, uh, please be sure to reach out to Betsy. We'll have all of her contact info in there. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the Allowed Pot and Thank sticking with us through me. through all the technical difficulties. I'm so happy we got. I mean, I was <laughs> I was gonna move whatever I needed to to make sure that happened. But uh, yeah, Thank keep keep commenting. If if you've got comments later on, uh, this is gonna be available after the live is over too. Um, so you can go ahead and comment there, and uh, we'll be monitoring for questions, anything else. So uh, 
yeah, that's that's what we're doing now. So, all right. Well, thanks for being on. I'm sure I'll talk yeah. to you soon. And uh, stay safe. And uh, um, yeah, and and best wishes for everybody, everybody in Springfield. So, yeah. you too. Thank Great. you so much. Bye, all everyone. Right. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> all right. I'm putting you in the wait room. You can wait there. You can go wherever you want. You you're good. Okay. All right. Hold up. You're in the waiting room now. All right. Let's bring bring in Glenn. Oh, it looks like Michelle has. Dropped off, but Glenn is coming on in if he wants to. No, Glenn doesn't want to. Glenn does want to. There's Glenn. Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Great. You are on. Yes, I can hear you too. And now we've got the technical difficulties all sorted out. Were you watching on Facebook? Yes, I was. Okay. Was it much better now? It's much better now. Okay, good. You guys well, covered a lot of good ground. Yeah, I think we did. Betsy's Betsy's really great. You know, uh, we need a, a bazillion of her all over the state. But uh, yeah, she's great. We've got a lot of folks who who yeah. have the same values. Yeah. So hearing her talk makes me wish we could get cloning going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe next session. I don't think they'll have time this one in the legislature, but. Uh, well, Glenn, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, I introduced Glenn at the beginning. Uh, he's the president at the uh, local 2250 for the UAW over in Wentzville. Um, you know, we've known each other for a while, actually, through the uh, some Democratic Party action. Yeah, so um, glad you could be here. Actually, this, this kind of started because uh, Glenn wanted to learn more about uh, Zoom and online, you know, these kinds of activities. So um, how's it going? How are you liking it? It's going good. Uh, yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, share this platform with you, and I yeah. appreciate you taking time to mentor me on the <laughs> technological challenges yeah. that come up sometimes. Well, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not even immune. You saw what happened at the beginning of this darn thing. It's just how you adapt right. to those situations, right? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you guys did cover a lot of ground and a lot of territory. Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was listening to this is that a pandemic like this shows the need for federal oversight. Yeah. For a uniformed policy coming from the federal government, mm-hmm. uh, federal leadership on a situation like this. Sure. Um, we still have states that are not honoring the quarantine rule. Right. So as hard as we all work and the sacrifices that everybody is making in, in the state of Missouri in trying to shut down and, and flatten the curve in Missouri are all going to go for naught if somebody travels to one of the states that does not have quarantine and they can bring it right back. Right. So, you know, this is something that needs to be addressed at the federal level, but enforced at the local level. Mm -hmm. How you enforce a quarantine? I don't know, but um, one of the things we have found is we always hear them bragging about the low unemployment rates and that's great. And we hear them cutting the different programs unemployment in the state of Missouri had been cut. Mm-hmm. And then when we had a mass layoff at General Motors, the plant that I represent, we had 4,500 people hit the streets yeah. uh, within a three or four day discussion with General Motors because they did not want to shut down. They wanted to continue working. And one of the problems that you have with that is we have found out in the ever evolving changes of the uh, virus that, it stays active on metal for up to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. So if you have the first job on the assembly line, you touch something and you are infected, anybody that comes in contact the rest of the way down the line would come in contact with that as well. Yeah. So uh, we pushed extremely hard for General Motors to do the right thing and to cease production, and they did, yeah. uh, which is good for the health of our members. But on the downside of that is that the state of Missouri was not prepared to handle that influx of people filing for unemployment. The corporation was not prepared. Typically, they send out a warn letter that notifies a company or a business within six, that in 60 days there will mm-hmm. be a mass layoff. Right. That gives all parties involved time to prepare for it. We didn't have that opportunity. There was nothing like that in the state of Missouri or in the whole country. Yeah. So it's caused some grief for our members. I know some of them have been uh, still coming off the 40-day strike. Uh, yeah, there's right. people that have not recovered from that. Right. So we understand that, that that's what's going on. I know our international union has worked extremely hard to try to get these issues resolved with General Motors on the subpay and the state of Missouri on the unemployment situation. And eventually it's all going to get worked out. But 
we just have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit that there are folks, um, you know, our unemployment system was not prepared for this. And this was a huge influx of people. But at the same time, you know, we, we weren't really prepared for mass layoffs to happen so quickly. And so, you know, we've got folks who are in this, um, you know, protest period right now, which provides an employer with the opportunity to say, hey, that person should not get unemployment for one reason or another. And uh, uh, the problem is that uh, all of these folks who were laid off, like they, they were laid off, right? And, and so they should be getting unemployment benefits. But we haven't, uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe this was an oversight um, even within the state because we've relaxed a lot of the statutes around these things. But um, we haven't limited that period down lower as well um, to respond to the crisis that we're in. So there are people who are having to wait that full period despite there not being any protests coming within those 10 days from their employer and, and folks are, are, are struggling right now. So, um, right. yeah. So One thing I'd like to encourage everybody, even nationwide, but in the state of Missouri and our members and stuff like that, Nobody should be too proud to reach out for help. Mm-hmm. This caught so many people by surprise. That yeah. There's people out there that if you're struggling, reach out. There's all kinds of different programs, different organizations that will help out. If you belong to the union, you can reach out to the AFL-CIO, Fight for the Fight. They can help you with some of your financial obligations. Uh, there's food pantries throughout the state. They can help out as well. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're kind to everybody that yeah. you meet, whether it's the person at the gas station or that is still going to the store and stocking the shelves. Right. They're the ones that are keeping this country running. Yeah. You know, we need to show a little bit of love to those people and uh, eventually we'll get through this. Yeah. You know, our nation is very resilient. We're yeah. a tough bunch of people. Uh, we'll overcome this. We'll get out and we'll be okay. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely. And I think I think you're seeing that because just like you said, um, you know, there are so many folks out there willing to help and willing to maintain our community despite this virus's efforts to keep us apart. Right. And I think that if we've seen anything, even if we're in a time where leadership has been lacking, um, we're still sticking through it. And, uh, you know, I think resilience is the exact right word for that. So, yeah. You know, one thing, the first responders, the doctors and nurses yeah. that are on the front lines of this battle, um, they deserve every accolade that we can possibly give them, as do the people out there that are working throughout our communities. But some of the people that are overlooked are the janitors that come in and clean right. these hospitals to continue to go in and clean operating rooms, continue to keep these hospitals functioning, mm-hmm. the maintenance personnel that are there working. You know, without them, these hospitals would not be able to continue to function either. Yep. So we got to remember that, that there's taken a lot of people that are putting themselves in harm's way day in and day out uh, to, to try to help our country res- recover from this this pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think just like, you know, what we were talking about with uh, Betsy is that this has really shown us a lot of the vulnerabilities within our system, right? Because these folks were all performing very important services. We just weren't appreciating it as much. Right. And, uh, right. yeah, we got a little, uh, a little lackadaisical about it and, uh, a little, uh, you know, I guess a little too comfortable. And, and here we are, we're seeing where all of, all of these things are starting to, to get to the point of stress. And, uh, there's a lot of changes that folks have been asking for, for a long time. And, uh, we certainly need them right now. So, um, yeah, it's a very, very true. And and for folks who, um, you know, we talked about grocery clerks, uh, pharmacists who are pushing very hard right now for, uh, you know, that emergency personnel designation from our state. So that way they can access child care uh, benefits. They can access protective equipment at a priority rate, which is, I mean, that's something that we need. Those are the folks who are on the front line right now. So, that's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are the people that we need to try to find ways to make sure that they're compensated for the additional risk that they're putting themselves absolutely. in. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, and you and I had a little conversation prior to going online or going live with this. Yeah. But our nation has always res- has always relied on a strong manufacturing 
right. foundation to come out of almost every recession or depression. The concerns that we have now is what's our nation, what's the global economy going to look like right. coming out of this pandemic? What kind of effect is this going to have? What's the recovery time going to be? Will we come back in at full production? Are we going to come back in at, with limited production and start mm. ramping back up? Are people going to be able to afford to go out and start buying new trucks and vans? You know, this is the, the overall picture of this isn't very good for our entire country and our entire economy, which is why leadership was so critical. We spent weeks making fun of this, saying that it was a hoax. Um, we heard that it was going to be gone when warm weather hit, mm. that a miracle would happen and it would be gone. Had we focused our energy and attention from the very beginning on trying to find ways that we could stop it in its tracks, we may have been able to save a lot of lives. We may have been able to save a lot of the economy. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a, a lack of, of quick response. You know, I mean, the problem is like folks knew that this was going to be, this could be an issue, right? The, the, the scenario that they looked at for a pandemic was something like this. And, uh, yeah, and still, I mean, we just, you know, we, you, if you don't have the right type of leadership there that's going to take these things seriously, and, yeah, sure, maybe today it's not an issue for you, right? But, but it will be at some point. And, and those are the ones that, you, I mean, even us as people that we oftentimes don't kind of look at, right? It's like, oh, that door is kind of wobbly, but we won't care until it falls off the hinges. And, you know, that's, that's definitely something that, uh, is tough for all of us to do, but it's it's one that, in a situation as serious as this one, um, you know, should be treated with the same. At least I think should be treated with the same kind of seriousness as any other national security risk. You know, so um, yeah. here we are. Absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely is a security risk. Yeah. But I sure appreciate the opportunity to be yeah. on your show. Yeah. This is um, a good time. Yeah, it was good. I look forward to having another conversation with you and seeing how things go. Good yeah, luck. thank you so much, Glenn. Well, thanks for coming, um, and uh, I'm sure I'll I'll see you virtually soon. So we'll talk anytime. I have no doubt. Thanks, <laughs> All right, take thank care. Bye. All right, ending you out. All right. All right, folks. Well, that was great. We had two special guests on today. Um, that's exciting. Uh, that was, uh, Glenn, Glenn Coggy with, uh, the United Auto Workers. Uh, he is the president at local 2250. Um, that's over in Wentzville, Missouri. Um, he's been doing great work for, uh, not only his members, but he serves in so many different ways, um, the people of this state. So, uh, really excited that he got to come on mostly because I tricked him into, uh, getting on the show a little bit by, uh, teaching him how to use zoom. But, uh, no, seriously, I'm very happy that he was here. Um, and then Betsy Fogel, who we just had on before him, who is running, uh, in the one thirty fifth. So, um, Thank you all for sticking through. I know we had some issues at the beginning of this, but, you know, I think this format's okay. If you, if you like this format where I've got the screen up uh, and we've got the people out here, I know some people think it looks like, uh, you know, a news set or something. If, if you're a fan of that, go ahead and, you know, give this a thumbs up or comment below and, and let me know. Uh, I was a little self-conscious of that. Maybe that was my fault. Um, usually I don't, I don't have too many problems with that and looking ridiculous, but... Um, yeah, you know, we, we tried something new and we're all going to learn together here. But um, yeah, happy that we have special guests on. Uh, if you are interested in being a guest on this show, we're trying to bring folks who are not only running for office, um, but, you know, people who are doing really active things in the community um, or folks who, you know, have an interesting story to, to share, whatever it might be. Uh, go ahead and contact me um, and we'll put the contact links and everything in there below. Uh, before I go. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the news. Uh, the big news was uh, from yesterday is that the governor of Missouri ordered, uh, uh, finally issued a stay-at-home order. Uh, it's called Stay Home Missouri. It's an executive order, um, and uh, it, it seems that was something that was certainly needed for all of the reasons that we talked about today. Uh, looking at the text of the order, it does appear that there are some things that are lacking there, um, and we pushed very hard to get the governor to issue that order, to take steps like many of the ones that we're talking about to protect our workers, to expand access to health care, to make smart decisions right now. And um, we're, we're going to keep, keep after it. 
So uh, we've got a form where you can send a message to the governor. I know some people had problems getting through because so many of you were calling. Thank you so much. Um, you, we need to be as involved as we possibly can in our government right now, especially, but really all the time. And I think that the lesson that we've really talked about today is one um, of how a lot of our systems have been broken. They haven't been working for many Missourians. They haven't been working for many Americans for a long time. And unfortunately, we designed a way to make it easy to ignore folks, especially folks who don't have money, who don't have power, who don't have lobbyists, who don't have big checks to give to a politician to go write them a bill. And now we are seeing the results of years and years of divestment from our state, from our public institutions, from our communities. We didn't invest in our people. And now we are at a situation that is putting us in a terrible strain. And Missouri hasn't responded very well to that. That is unfortunately a result of our leadership, the lack thereof. And it's something that we desperately need to change. So um, that's why I'm really excited that we got to have a candidate on today. Um, obviously, that's why I've been running. Um, and so many of the folks that we've worked with across the state have been, too. Um, this is an important time to make sure that we are protecting our families and everyone else around us um, and to, to be bold about the issues that we're facing and the solutions to them. So um, I know a lot of you commented today about how um, you know, you're happy that we're doing these live streams, and I'm happy too, and that's why we, we work hard to, to make sure these come to you and we, we keep everybody informed. Um, so uh, happy to be here. We will have an episode next week like we always do. We'll probably have some things during the week too. Um, we'll have some tutorials out there about how to use these different platforms, um, you know, different ways to get involved from home. Uh, if you would like to volunteer on our campaign right now, we're doing very similar to work to what Betsy was saying. We are checking in on people, uh, making sure they're doing okay and seeing how we best can serve them. So um, you can go on our website, too. I'll put the link there, um, and you're welcome to get involved. Anyway, um, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for being here, and uh, we'll see you soon. Um, so until next week, that is the Allod Pod, and uh, congratulations on everybody viewing our third episode. Number four will be good, too. promise. So thanks for coming. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check us out at aladgross.org, where you can connect with us on social media, send me an email, send me any questions or ideas you've got for the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We will see you next week on the Alad Podcast.